to another episode of the Stephanie Bree Show. I am Stephanie Bree, and this is Buddy. He's my baby kitty, and he's going to do the show with me for a little bit, or at least until he gets bored. His heart is a little bit empty right now, so I'm refilling it for love for him. Uh, welcome back. Um, a couple quick announcements, uh, some housekeeping stuff. We've switched to a bi-weekly format, so that means that the shows come out every two weeks now instead of weekly. Um, so, you know, if you're wondering why the show is a little delayed, that's why. And, um, another thing, we've switched to a themed format. So each week I'll pick a theme or each episode I'll pick a theme and it, all of the topics will tie into that theme. So this week it's cyborg week. I'm so excited because I got some really cool cyborg stuff to talk about. Um, very cool stuff. Um... So I guess that's that's pretty much it for housekeeping stuff. Uh, once again, I want to thank my Patreons who support the show. All of you, thank you. Um, you want to uh, you help me out big time with uh, costs behind the scenes and other stuff. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to be a Patreon supporter, just head on over to Patreon.com/slash Stephanie Bree. Give me a little bit of money, and I'll give you some content, some bonus content, or you can just. Throw me some money to help me out, you know, pay bills or whatever. Support a starving trans artist. Well, not that starving. <laughs> Eek. All right. Uh, that's, that's, um, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the news. So I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. Let's talk about video games and stuff. I'll be right back. Hey, paisanos, it's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. With the Mario Brothers and plumbing's a game We're not like the others who get all the fame If your sink is in trouble, you can call us on the double We're faster than the others, you'll be hooked on the brothers Alright, so it's Cyborg Week And today's video game topic is uh, We're talking about some cyborg video games Um Specifically, I've got three video game franchises that are mostly in the 8 and 16-bit era. So we're going to talk a little bit about them. And what, uh, first of all, we're going to define what a cyborg is. Cyborg is short for cybernetic organism. It's when you have a machine that is half living organism, usually half human, and half robot. Um, so this would not be, uh, an example would be the blue... Um, villain, I don't remember her name, from the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, shoot, I can't remember her name. The one that Karim Gillum plays. Anyways, that would be an example of a cyborg. Another example would be Robocop. So, I'm going to talk about uh, the three... I'm going to talk about at least three... Uh, cyborg-related video game franchises from the 80s, 8-bit uh, and 16-bit era, the 80s and 90s. So the first up, we have Terminator, obviously. The Terminator um, series of movies, had the, they, they all had video games based on them, or at least in the early days. We had a couple on the NES, and there was a couple on the Genesis. There was... Uh, an arcade, Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo, they had a game that was based on the arcade game, Terminator uh, 2 Judgment Day, and then they had the arcade game, the same game. 
same uh, based off the same movie. And then there was also one for the Sega CD. In all of these instances, you basically play as the Terminator, and you go around killing other people. Except for the arcade one, where you play as a gun, and you're blowing up Terminators, basically. Um, the Terminator is probably the most notable example of a cyborg film that I know of. And so, we're going to talk a lot about Terminator in this episode. I had all of the Terminator video games, including Rise of the Machines on PS2. Uh, Terminator is one of my favorite sci-fi franchises. And so, one of the cool things uh, about Terminator is the act the, the games usually have have a very futuristic setting for the most part and so you get a lot of robots you get a lot of cyborgs and you get a lot of machines and science fiction and computers and stuff which is fascinating to me uh the next video game franchise that didn't have as many and it, and it ties into terminator this is robocop robocop only had two games on the nes and only one game that I know of on subsequent systems, and it was basically RoboCop versus Terminator on Sega Genesis and Super NES. Uh, RoboCop versus Terminator is one of those iconic Sega Genesis Super Nintendo games uh, that doesn't get talked about a lot. I say it's iconic even though it doesn't get talked about a lot. It gets brought up a lot of times on lists of games where the Genesis version is better than the Super Nintendo version because it is generally regarded as a better game on this Genesis than on the Super Nintendo, but the Super Nintendo version is perfectly adequate. It's just more, people remember it on the Genesis for some reason. There's another, not necessarily Cyborg, but it's in the ballpark video game franchise I want to talk about, and it's called Turrican. Now, in some games, Turrican is a Cyborg. In other games, it's a suit of armor that somebody wears, uh, the Turrican suit. Um, but it still basically has a main character that is a humanoid robot going around fighting in a post-apocalyptic futuristic sci-fi world. Um, there is, I believe, one or two Terminator, or excuse me, Turrican games on the NES. There's two Super Turrican games on the Super Nintendo. And then there's actually three Turrican games on the Sega Genesis, but you might not know that because only two of them have the word Turrican in the name. So on the Sega Genesis, you have Turrican, which is based on the original game that was available, that, that came out originally on the Commodore 64. And then you have Mega Turrican, which is basically Turrican 3, which is sort of what Super Turrican and Super Turrican 2 are loosely based on. They took Turrican 3 and turned it into Mega Turrican on the Genesis and Super Turrican on the Super Nintendo. But they changed some of the levels on both to kind of make them unique um, to those platforms. And then they made a sequel to it on Super Nintendo, which isn't Turrican 4. <laughs> Not technically. But the Genesis also has another game. Um, it's called Universal Soldier. And it's based on the movie Universal Soldier, which again isn't necessarily cyborg related. But Universal Soldier is sort of tied into a movie called Cyborg that is sort of related to cyborgs, uh, a movie starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's a complicated, messy story. But they took Turrican 2, the Commodore 64 game, and they ported it to the Sega Genesis, 
as Universal Soldier to take a shortcut so that they could not have to develop a game for Universal Soldier because they got the license and they decided, hey, we've got the license to this movie and here we have a game that already exists. Let's just change some of the sprites and we're done. Call it a day. Boom. Easy peasy. Uh, there are probably plenty of other cyborg video games uh, out there. Um, some people might say, well, what about, if you're talking about Turrican, why not talk about Metroid? Metroid is very obviously a suit of armor. There's no ambiguity there. Um, so I didn't really want to talk about Metroid, although the gameplay and level design, it's not that dissimilar from Turrican in some respects. Big game franchises often get compared one to another. All right. Um, basically, cyborg games are pretty fun. You're, you're a robotic-looking character, and you're going around shooting other robotic-looking characters in a sci-fi setting. Um, you usually get to blow stuff up, and a lot of times they've got pretty cool techno soundtracks. So, yeah, they've got, they've got some pretty good um, cyborg video games. Now, I, I'm not all that familiar with modern gaming. I don't talk a lot about modern gaming, so I don't know what we have, you know, post-16-bit era. So... I just wanted to highlight a few games, and uh, off the top of my head, Robocop vs. Terminator is an A-plus game. Mega Turkin for the Sega Genesis, an absolutely fabulous game. And if you're going, if you're looking for another one, the Terminator 2, the arcade game, is good, and the one on the Sega CD is pretty good, too, the Terminator 1 on the Sega CD. All the rest of them I would just, like, you know, I wouldn't even mess with. Just those ones. Those are the main ones. If you have a Super Nintendo and you really got to get your Turkin fix, Super Turrican will give you the fix. Or Super Turrican 2. They're the same, basically. They're basically the same game. Slightly different level design, but they're basically the same thing. Alright, I guess I'll come back with my horror topic. Ooh, what am I talking about? You'll have to wait and see. So this week's horror topic is going to be kind of a cheat. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of a discussion on the original sci-fi classic night from 1984, The Terminator. Terminator is like Alien in that it's a sci-fi action movie, but it's also a horror movie. Terminator is actually kind of like a slasher movie in a way. Um, it does have a serial killer who is impossible to just to kill who's hunting the final girl who ends up defeating the serial killer at the end of the movie, and there's some gore and violence and blood and some of the, some of the other tropes. And yeah, one of the people who gets killed is sexually promiscuous, and another one of the people who gets killed, well, actually a lot of people get killed in this movie. Um, they just sort of get in the way of the villain. So I want to talk a little bit about Terminator. How does it qualify as a horror movie? Well, it's actually kind of a scary movie. It's got a lot of scares. It's got a lot of the same. It, it, it actually, it's pacing is very much like a scary movie. Um, it's not 
an out and out horror movie like you know like maybe you would think excuse me silence of the lambs or the shining or something like you know maybe the exorcist but it's definitely the same kind of horror movie that alien qualifies as so i thought it would be worth talking about so the terminator is a movie about this cyborg from the future who comes back in time to kill a woman whose unborn child is going to grow up and lead the resistance against the machines and so the movie even though it 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 has sci-fi themes you know time travel and cyborgs and you know artificial intelligence and all this other stuff it actually takes place in the present at the time of the day when it was filmed you know in the 80s so it's contemporary and most of the movie is the guy from the future trying to convince everybody that the, the, the serial killer isn't the serial killer isn't a human but is actually a machine from the future he never does convince the cops so when you watch this movie the audience knows that this is a machine not a man but you you know the people in this movie don't they, they just believe it's a serial killer a psychopath and so this definitely has all the earmarks of a horror movie it's got gore it's got violence it's got scares it's got you know the killer killing the wrong person it's got a lot of stuff ah excuse me it's got a lot of the stuff that you would expect from a, from a horror movie now that's not to say the sequels the sequels are definitely action movies through and through but when i watch the terminator i actually get a good horror vibe and so i thought if it gets a good horror vibe i think it counts as like a horror movie because like i've said in the past it's really about the atmosphere that makes a movie horror for me they if it feels horror and the terminator definitely feels horror what about scares this movie can definitely get your dilemma going it's got some scary moments it's got some jump scares and it's definitely got some ten some tension and it's got some moments where you know someone's about to die, but you're really like hoping that they don't, like the roommate, for example. But it's sadly she doesn't want to. So the Terminator, it's not the only cyborg horror movie I could have come up with, and it's probably not the best cyborg horror movie I could come up with. But I really wanted to talk about the Terminator making this whole episode terminator related um but yeah that's my horror topic i'll be right back stay tuned Okay, it's time for our toy topic. Today I'm talking about Cyborg 
toys. Um, so, specifically I'm talking about robot toys. Because, you know, we're talking about robots and cyborgs and stuff. Although, no, technically robots and cyborgs are not the exact same thing. They're close enough. At least for the purposes of this show. So... Obviously, there's... Uh, damn, I keep yawning. <laughs> Alright, so... Again, just to recap, cybernetic organisms are machines that have organic components, basically. Robocop would be an example. Terminator would be an example. So for toys, obviously, we're looking at stuff like Terminator action figures, Robocop action figures. And I did have a lot of Robocop action figures when I was a kid. Uh, I, I've been fascinated by robots. And one of the reasons why I got into Terminator and Star Wars and even robocop in the first place was because they were robots they were cyborgs uh they, they were robot they, they were computers basically walking computers i love that's what i love about robots they're basically computers you can interact with uh, heck i watched small wonder because it was a robot even though that show was not good <laughs> um so in the 80s there was an explosion of robot toys now, obviously, we, we had a lot of robot toys, a lot of mecha and stuff in the 70s, you know, especially in Japan, not as much in the United States. But we got this Japanese invasion in the 1980s. We got a lot of stuff like, we got a lot of mecha stuff, you know, like, you know, Super Sentai, we got brought over with Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and then we got stuff like, you know, V.I. Troopers, Super Saiyan Samurai Cyber Squad, and stuff like that. Common Rider, etc. But we also got a lot of other mecha stuff. In, um, for example, um, Robotech, Macros, and Voltron were other examples of, you know, robotic creatures, uh, roboticized vehicle vehicles that looked like they were in the shape of animals or dinosaurs or whatever, dragons and and lions and stuff. But we also got a lot of uh, living, again, going back to living organisms, right? Cybernetic organisms. We got a lot of, we got a lot of the robot toys in the trans, in the uh, 1980s. And the one of them, uh, we're sipping tongue, we're we'll talking about is Transformers. And I know I talk about Transformers a lot, but I wanted to ask the question, do Transformers count as cyborgs? Because they're living machines, right? They have a soul, they have a spark inside of them, a laser core, if you will. Episodes of uh, the original Marvel movie, I cartoon series uh, that we now refer to as Transformers Generation One. Back then, it was just Transformers. Uh, if you're gonna go by that, they were called laser cores and then later later sparks. But the jokes on the Matrix of Leadership. Basically, they have a soul inside of them, um, and they are alien robots from another planet. So they're living things, right? Gobots are definitely cyborgs, right? They're humans from the planet Gobatron, who infused their bodies with metal so that they could live because there was some kind of, I don't know, virus or something that was destroying their planet or something like that. I don't remember what it was specifically, but they turned themselves into robots. So those definitely qualify as cyborgs. So you definitely got a big cyborg in invasion of in the 1980s um, in the toys specifically. Uh, so like you said, like I said, you got Transformers, you got, 
Ninja Turtles had cyborgs. He-Man, Masters of the Universe, they had cyborgs. Uh, Robocop, Terminator, you know, there, there were all kinds of them. And it was, it was, you know, I mean, you didn't just have cyborgs, you had robots, you had, you know, automatons, you had uh, creatures with artificial intelligence that were manufactured, you had mutants that were created in a lab. There were a lot of different like variations of this, you know, sentient robot type of, you know, metallic artificial person in the 80s, especially. So we got a lot of cool toys. Um, some of the coolest ones, I guess, uh, Transformers had some good ones. Like I said, Ninja Turtles had some good, had some good cyborgs. You, you had Metalhead. Uh, and then you also had, uh, I think it was Bungie. Um, what was his name? Bungitoid or something like that, something like that. I don't know, a little robot dude. Uh, I don't remember its name, but there was there was a little golden robot dude. Um, so yeah, there there were a lot of robots and cyborgs and stuff in the eighties. So uh, those are just a few that I can think of. Let me know in the comments. Do you think the Transformers are are cyborgs? What about the GoBots? Do you think those are cyborgs based on their interface and mythology? Let me know. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think? I'm going to go with I don't know. GoBots, yes. Transformers, I don't know. I'm open to suggestions. Stay cool. I'll be right back. Excuse me. Excuse me. I've got to be Welcome to the Hot Topic section of the show, and today we're talking about RoboCop. Specifically, I want to address the ethics and politics of RoboCop, and I want to talk about the reboot. Eek! Okay, so right off the top of my head, right off the bat, we're going to quickly tell you what RoboCop is, and then we're going to get into the ethics and the politics of it. So RoboCop is a futuristic movie about a cop who gets killed in the line of duty, and the police department, which is owned by a private corporation and funded by the consumer, omni-consumer products, takes this man's corpse, this police officer's dead body, his corpse, and turns it into a cyborg. Robocop. Named Robot Cop. An armored police officer that can't be killed because he's already dead. And in the course of the movie, Robocop goes out, and at first he's doing his Robocop stuff. You know, he's arresting people, and he's attacking bad guys. But then something happens. In one of his busts, he recognizes the perpetrator. And he has a glitch in his memories, and he remembers that he was a human. He was a man who was murdered. So he goes to the police archives, and he investigates his own murder. And then he goes after the people who killed him. And then he finds out that he was, his creator was killed, so so to speak, as part of a conspiracy because the there was some kind of politicking and, and, and fighting in the company. One of them had a robot named Ed 209 that malfunctioned and killed a guy in a demonstration, and the other one had RoboCop and the guy that created the malfunctioning robot 
was higher up on the food chain, so he had the guy that created RoboCop killed, and of course RoboCop had to out, you know, had to, you know, reveal that, and then, you know, I'd say to arrest the guy, but then he ends up killing him, because that's what he does, he's using a gun, he doesn't arrest people, he kills people. Well, I'll talk a little bit about the ethics of RoboCop, and I'll talk a little bit about the politics. So on the ethical side, first thing we have is, we have, the first ethical conundrum we have is police department being not just funded by a private corporation, but controlled. A city police department being controlled by a private corporation. So this is beyond unethical in so many different ways. Uh, but we're seeing a lot of stuff like this now. We're seeing a lot of funding, uh, a lot of a lot of hybridization between the uh, military and police. That's a totally different topic, but it is interconnected. So I've always questioned that part. You know, even when I was a kid, I was like, how can the how can a company, how can a corporation own the police? You can't own the police. The police are, you know, city ser they're public servants, right? With. The next ethical dilemma is what happens with your body when you die? Did he actually sign a waiver saying that he signed up to be a police officer? He got transferred to this unit, killed in the line of duty. Does OCP, Omni Consumer Products, a private corporation, have the legal right to take his corpse and turn it into a robot, a tool for, the, for their purposes, a product? that they can market to the military or whatever, other police departments if they want or whatever. It doesn't really make sense. They don't really explain how they're going to make money off of RoboCop because it looks like he's very expensive to operate and he doesn't really reduce crime at all. He just blows shit up and kills bad guys, which it's like, that's not ethical. You're As a, a police officer, you're not supposed to go around shooting people's dicks off. He literally, in one of the scenes, he shoots... Uh, guy's dick off that's disgusting I mean, the guy was trying to rape a girl but he hadn't actually committed the crime and so here he is judge jury and executioner even though he's supposed to just be a law enforcement officer so that's another ethical conundrum we have to tackle if you have an indestructible police officer who goes around with a gun and can't be killed and has no no morals and does not arrest people but shoots them instead that's not very that's not very good policing so on the uh ocp owning the police i'm gonna mark that as disgusting that's horrific that's unethical to the maximum scale now we don't know what the legal contracts were in regards to the police officers signing away their bodies we don't know were they organ donors or what um, so if he wasn't an organ donor, then it was it was illegal for OCP to use his corpse in the manner in which they did. But we don't know that, so I'm going to mark it as ambiguous. It could be unethical. It could be illegal. It's probably immoral at the very least. Um, but we don't really know that because we don't have enough information in the movie to be able to say that for absolute certain. And then we have the politics, which again goes back to 
our first in an ethical conundrum, which is how can you have a private police force replace a... Because we do have private police forces. They do exist. How can you have a private police force a, replace a public-funded police force? That's some pretty shitty politics right there. I, I don't want to see us go down that path. That's, that's beyond fascism. That's taking capitalism to the extreme. I really hope we don't get there. And that's the lesson that you should learn from this movie. Now, I briefly want to talk about the reboot. And its existence is unethical, immoral, and should have been illegal. That's all I'm going to say about the reboot. That movie was horrid. It shouldn't have happened. All right, I'm going to be right back with my supernatural topic. So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Where are you? We got some work to do now. Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? We need some help from you now. Come on, Scooby Doo, I see you. Pretending you got silver. You're not fooling me, cause I can see the way you shake and shiver. You know we got a mystery to solve, so Scooby Doo, be ready for your act. Don't hold back. And Scooby-Doo, if you come through, you're gonna have yourself a Scooby snack. That's a fact. Oh, hello. Welcome to the Supernatural section of The Stephanie Bird Show. If you're not familiar with this show or with my personality at all, I am a pagan witch. And within my witchcraft, I do a lot of necromancy, which is talking to the dead and divine spirits. And today's supernatural topic is going to be in sort of relation to that. We're talking about a phenomenon known as the singularity. This is more science or science fiction. Uh, it's where they can take a human consciousness and put it in a, in a machine. We've already talked about them doing this uh, in movies like the with Robocop, uh, for example. We talked about that previous sections in this uh, in this podcast. So the phenomenon known as a singularity is supposed to be an event where you will be able to transfer human consciousness into a machine. Basically, you'll be able to back up or download your brain, your consciousness, your soul into a machine. But that's the part I want to talk about because we're going to get into the supernatural aspects of it. You see, I want to talk about Star Trek. In Star Trek, they have a machine called a transporter. When a transporter is activated, it takes a person that's here and it beams them down to here, where there's another to another place. But what the machine really does is it scans the person, it disintegrates them into atoms. It literally just dis dissolves them, killing them in the process, and then recreates them using new atoms down at the bottom, you know, down on the planet with information stored in the computer that says this is the, the, the arrange the atoms in this in this pattern and you'll get the personality and the quirks and, and physical appearance of this particular person. But they still die. They die. And a clone of them is now walking around in their place. So we're going to go back to the singularity for a second. Right? We're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about the phenomenon of taking your soul out of your brain, right? Your consciousness, and putting it in a computer. 
well, even if you can transfer, even if you can copy your consciousness, you can't copy your soul. It's the same reason why the tra the transporter can it, it can copy your physical matter, but it can't copy your soul, right? Because your soul can't be scanned by human technology. So in order for the singularity to take place, basically you die and a computer program that thinks it's you exists. You don't get to live forever. You're still going to die. Your soul is going to be going to whatever plane of existence your particular soul goes to. Whether that's some sort of underworld or some sort of paradise or gets reincarnated. That I, I can't tell you because I don't know what your belief system is. And a lot of that stuff can't be proven. But when you're starting to talk about something that involves human supernatural existence, the, the soul, which is our supernatural existence inside of our physical being, I don't really believe that science in its current form, without the use of supernatural means, magic, can achieve the singularity. Just like I don't believe that Star Trek can beam people down without killing and cloning them without sorcery involved. So, yeah, I believe that the singularity is probably a myth. Even if it, even if it happens, your soul will be separated from that computer program. So the computer program will think it's you. And it won't know the difference. And it can download into a new body, and that new body will think it's you. Just like the transporter sends a clone of you down to the planet, and that clone will think it's you. But it's not. You're dead. You died in the process. So, how, how about that for thought? Alright, I'll be right back with this or that. Don't go anywhere. All right, we've come to the end of the show. We're at my favorite part. It's time for this or that. This or that is a fun little game where I take two things that are similar, chosen by y'all through a Patreon poll, and I compare them together. So if you want to get in on this, you just got to go to patreon.com slash stephaniebreen and vote in our poll. You can do this at any tier, starting at $2. All you got to do is throw us $2 a month, and you can vote in the poll. Let's get started. Today, we're comparing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to macaroni and cheese. Oh, two iconic children's dinners. Let's get started. First of all, we're gonna talk about, are they iconic? Well, I just said they are. Uh, mac and cheese is very iconic. I mean, it's referenced in so many different places. I mean, Friends had an episode where they had a TV show called Mac, mac and Cheese. Everybody knows macaroni and cheese it is one of the most one of the most iconic dinners around peanut butter and jelly sandwich same thing there's a nickelodeon cartoon where they have a, a character named pb and j um it's delicious so yeah i gave them both a point for being for being iconic you can't get more iconic than these two meals what about tasty there's nothing more delicious than a peanut butter and jelly sandwich oh my god whether it's grape jelly or strawberry preserves, it doesn't matter. It can be crunchy peanut butter. They can be goober. 
which is peanut butter and jelly mix together. Delicious, delicious, yum, 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 yum. You can put it on wheat bread, white bread, on tortillas. Oh, it is delicious. It is tasty. It is a treat to your to your taste buds. That definitely gets a check. What about mac and cheese? Well, we're talking about milky, creamy, cheesy, delicious goodness. Oh my God. A mouthful of mac and cheese is just one of the most tasty things you'll ever experience. They both get a check. What about comforting? You can be sick, down, depressed, bummed, lost your job, heartbroken, whatever. You bust out a PB&J, you sit down, you eat a PB&J sandwich, you put on some cartoons, you crank up the, the, the 80s playlist, you drink some Kool-Aid, you're feeling good in five minutes. You can replace PB&J with mac and cheese in that same exact scenario, and you're good to go. So they both get a check for being comforting. What about variety? Can you do a lot with these different meals? Well, on mac and cheese, you have a little bit of variety in the different types of cheeses you can use. You can use Velveeta cheese. You can use cheddar cheese. You can use American cheese, American single. You can use white cheese, white cheddar, or other types of cheese. So you've got a little variety there. Also, you can add hot dogs to it. You can have um, mac and cheese with hot dogs, or you can add, you know, like, you can add hamburger to it and have like a hamburger helper. Or you can add chili to it and have chili mac. Oh, delicious. Oh my God. Chili cheese mac. Yes, absolutely gets a check. What about peanut butter and jelly? Well, like I said previously, you can have different flavors of jelly. You can have different styles of peanut butter. You can have, you can have Nutella if that's what you want. You can have different types of bread. There's a lot of variety. They both get a check. What about easy to make? Well, I gave them both a check because every five-year-old on the planet knows how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now, you probably got to be a little older than five to make mac and cheese, but you can get single-serving mac and cheese that you can just add hot water, pop in the microwave, and you're done. That's pretty easy. But even boil the water, throw the noodles in, Stir it, drain, stir in the, the powder, and you're good to go. It doesn't take much to make mac and cheese. It's like one of the easiest things to make. They both get a check. They both get a check. What about fun to eat? Oh, you take a first bite into that peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and it's gooey and sticky, and you've got the peanut butter to the roof of your mouth, and you've got the jelly all wrapped up around your tongue, and you got bread on the insides of your cheeks, and you're just... Soaking it up. Delicious. That's It's an experience. Totally fun to eat. What about macaroni and cheese? Yeah. I mean, you get a spoonful and you just shove it in there and it, you slurp it right up. Or you get a fork and you stab it and you stick it in your mouth. It doesn't matter how you eat it. You can drink it out of the bowl. You can throw it in a cup and slurp it if you want. There's all kinds of different ways you can eat mac and cheese, and they're all fun. What about, can you get it in a restaurant? I have been able to go into certain types of restaurants and order grilled ham and cheese sandwiches. 
and you can get chili cheese fries, and you can get a hamburger. But I have never been in a restaurant where I could order a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or macaroni and cheese. I gave them both an X. The closest thing I've ever been into a restaurant that had mac and cheese was sometimes you'll find it on a buffet, but I've never seen it on a menu. Oh, order mac and cheese. Except maybe in a kid in a kid's menu. I still don't really feel like that counts. Number eight, does it pair with other foods? Well, peanut butter and jelly can go good with you, you can have it with carrot sticks on the side or you're going to have some Cheetos. Cheetos goes great with PB&J. If you put the Cheetos in the sandwich oh, you've got yourself a meal. Oh, yeah, it pairs good with other foods, especially other snack foods. Other potato chips, Pringles, you know, stuff like that. You can drink it down with Kool-Aid. Oh yeah. Mac and cheese like I said, you can pair it with hot dogs. You can pair it with hamburger. You can pair it with chili. You could do so much with mac and yeah, it pairs well with other foods. You can have it with corn. I've done it. Just open a can, make a make a pot of mac and cheese. Open a can of corn. Throw the corn in the mac and cheese. Oh, it is so good. I'm telling you, I got fat for a reason, y'all. <laughs> Number nine. Flexible meal. Basically, does it work as a lunch and a supper? Or does it only work as a dinner? Mac and cheese can be eaten as a lunch. It's a, it can be a snack. It can be a meal. You could have it for supper. And you can have, have it as your primary meal. So it definitely gets a check. I can't say the same thing about peanut butter and jelly. It's a lunch. It's a snack at best. It's not even a full meal without like potato chips or carrot sticks. It doesn't work as a supper. If you're having PB&J for supper, I question your judgment. I'm just saying. I, I've done it, but I haven't had it by itself. It's Sometimes I'll just, it's a snack. It's not my whole supper. It'll just be a dessert or a snack just because I'm in, a, I'm in the mood for PB&J and I fix me one just because I need it. I need it. But it doesn't work as a supper. So... PB&J gets an X. What about affordable? I mean, you can buy all the ingredients to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich relatively cheap. 98 cents for a loaf of bread. For about $1.25, you can get a little tiny jar of peanut butter. And for usually about $1.19 or so, you can get a little tiny jar of grape jelly. So three bucks and you got yourself enough peanut butter. You got enough ingredients to make like 12 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Hell yeah, that's inexpensive. Mac and cheese, you're talking 25 cents, 40 cents, 50 cents for a box. I don't want 50 cents is for like a high end. You know, I mean, this stuff is so so inexpensive, it's, it's ridiculous, really. It's almost criminal. Hmm. Oh, it's delicious. And it's totally worth it. But yeah, good, good value. I gave them both a check. If you were keeping score, that means peanut butter and jelly got eight checks. But mac and cheese got nine. So I'm going to declare a winner. Mac and cheese is the superior meal to the superior food to the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Hey, it's the way the numbers worked out. I don't make the rules. 
or do I? Thank you for uh, watching or listening to this podcast. Uh, real quick, I just want to say that we didn't have a movie or TV topic, and uh, that was by choice because I didn't. I had a movie I wanted to talk about, and then I decided to cut it because it was too repetitive. So thanks for watching or listening. Please subscribe, uh, share, like, thumbs up, leave a comment. <clears throat> Ooh, excuse me. That came up. Yeah, and if you want to if you want to contribute to Patreon, go to patreon.com slash Stephanie Bree. If you want to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, it's Stephanie Bree22. And I'll catch you later. Stay cool.